1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and uh, I'm actually going to be only be covering two verses this morning. I had initially planned on doing more, but I think there's plenty of content within these first, these first couple of them to uh, occupy what time we've got together today. So 1 Thessalonians 5, um, starting in 16, we're just going 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And the word of God for the people of God. That is, uh, let me kind of catch you up here. What's going on here in Thessalonians. We, um, we covered verses 1 through 11 several weeks ago at Oak Grove. Before we uh, started meeting again weekly here at Broxton. We went through 111 and what we found out, just, just a little bit of a base background here is what's going on is this is a church that was looking forward to the second coming of Christ, just as, just as we are today. Uh, this, remember, this has been going on for 2,000 years. When we celebrate Advent um, in 2020, we're looking forward to the second coming of Christ. People have been looking forward to the second coming of Christ for 2,000 years. The early church firmly, firmly believed that it was going to happen very soon. Um, it did not. Nonetheless, um, we still continue to look for that today. But I just want to let you guys know that, that the early church really believed that the, the return of Christ was going to happen very, very soon. So they were just, uh, you know, they were wondering how it was going to happen, when it was going to happen. The same kind of questions we've got today. How, when, why. Um, and so from 1 through 11, Paul kind of gives them a rundown. He, and basically what he says is he, uh, he, uh, he tells them it's going to happen quickly. He says it's going to come, you know, pretty much in the blink of an eye unexpectedly it's going to happen. Nobody knows. This is all stuff we've heard before in church. Nobody knows the time or the date and that type of thing. But he admonishes them to, uh, on how to live in the meantime, how to, how to live as Christians in this world and what we've talked about, this in-between time, this in-between time before the, from the, between the ascension of Christ and uh, the return of Christ. How do we live as Christians? And that's some of the stuff that he tells the church, describes to the church, admonishes to the church. Primarily, the thing that he talks about, he talks about putting on the breastplate, breastplate of love. And y'all will probably remember that analogy from the book of Romans, where Paul uses this, 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 this analogy of armor, the breastplate and the helmet, that type of thing. He uses the same analogy here in uh, Thessalonians. He says, put on the breast, breastplate of love. That's how you live primarily during this in-between time. So, having said all that, this is kind of where we find ourselves in the Scripture today. Paul's given the church at Thessalonica, just as he has given us some pretty, some pretty good advice on how we are, can, are to live or how we can live during this, again, this in-between time as we anticipate the second coming of Christ. Uh, like I said, you know, I originally had planned on preaching on 16 through 24, but there's, there's plenty of content here uh, for us to cover. Ample, ample content. Paul gives three directives. These three little verses, Paul gives us three directives, three pieces, three little chunks of wisdom, or three little chunks of advice uh, for us. And I'm going to reread it real quick again. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of of God in Christ Jesus. So rejoice, pray continually, and give thanks. Rejoice, pray continually, and give thanks. There's our three points for today. Rejoice, pray continually, and give thanks. 
Praying continually is what I kind of want to spend the majority of our time on this morning. Uh, because that's been a theme in my personal life and it's been a theme for the church. Um, and a lot of the sermons that I've, that I've prepared over the last several months. This idea of, of, of prayer, of deep, deep, fervent, consistent, and uh, uh, continual prayer in our lives. And it's something that I want us to emphasize. It's something I plan on emphasizing, but it's also something I hope that the church will emphasize and embrace also in the coming year. And I'll get to that in a little bit. But I want you to look at that word. Y'all know from last week that I tend to pay attention to little words. Look at that word continually. Continually. Pray continually. Most of y'all are probably familiar with the other phrase that Paul wrote. Pray without what? Absolutely. Same, same idea here. Pray continually. Look at that word. Not sometimes. Not when we feel like it. Not when the notion strikes us. But continually. That seems like kind of a tall order, doesn't it? It seems like a tall order, but I'm going to tell you what. I am naive enough <laughs> to believe that it is possible. I am naive enough to believe that it is possible for us to pray continually. What if we could do that? What if we could live in constant communion, constant contact, constant... Y'all heard me pray this morning. That's, that's, how, that's how I prepared y'all for prayer this morning. Constant awareness of the very real presence of Jesus Christ with us at all times. What if we could do that? What would, our, what would our lives look like? What would our lives look like if we could maintain that constant communion, that constant awareness of God with us? What would our lives look like? How would it change the way we operate in the world, do you think? How would it change the way that we move? How would it change the way that we think and that we talk and that we act and that we react in our relationships with one another? How would it change if we were able to embrace... God in a continual state. How would that change the way or how would that alter the way that we live out Christ's greatest commandments to love God and neighbor? Needless to say, this would be huge. This would, this would bring about some major, major transformation in us in the way that we live, the way that we think, the way that we talk. And I'm just crazy enough to think that we can do it. I think that we can. I can't. Not yet anyway, but I'd like to. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about this morning is just prayer. Because prayer is the foundation of everything that we are. Prayer is everything for Christians. Here's, an, here's a Jerry Hudson original. Actually, actually, I actually wrote this out myself. Now, prayer is, not, prayer is not something that we do. It is the lifeline of all that we are. Prayer is not something that we do. It is the lifeline of everything that we are as followers of Jesus Christ. Most of us go through life, and I'm guilty of it just as, anybody, just as guilty of it as anybody else, but most of us go through life trying to figure things out on our own, trying to navigate all of our relationships and all the decisions that we have to make through our own abilities and through our own wisdom. Some of us may simply not know how to pray, perhaps because we've just never been taught and this is something else that we, I think we've taught, I think I actually taught or preached on this um, as it applies to Bible study one time up here. 
because uh, I told you, you know, when somebody, when, when, when somebody comes to Christ, what do, we, what do we tell them the next steps are? What's your, what's your, what's your, what's your next steps as a Christian? Generally, we tell them two things. Pray and read your Bible, right? Pray and read your Bible. And I think I said the same thing when we were talking about reading the Bible a number of months ago. This is prior to COVID and everything. Um, where we fail a lot of times is we don't teach people how to pray. We don't teach people how to read their Bible. So we have a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people think that they have to have use certain words in their prayer lives. Maybe they feel inept in their prayer lives. Maybe, maybe, maybe we just don't feel like we're good enough to pray, that type of stuff. We never, we very, very rarely teach people how to pray. You may have had, a, I'm sure, as long as Alec Bulletin's been in this church, I'm, some of y'all have probably been taught by him. But by and large, most of us have probably just never had somebody to sit down with us and tell us, teach us a little bit about how to pray. I want to do that with you this morning in, a, in a small, as small amount of time as I possibly can. Now... If you followed our video sermons back during the summertime, which I know you did, this is just going to be a repeat of some of the stuff that we already, that we already have gone over. But this is some really cool material. It's really practical material that you can begin using, that you can begin utilizing right now. Right now today in your prayer life. And I promise you, if you will, it's going to open you up in, your, in, your, in the way that you communicate with God. I really believe that because I've seen it in my own, my own life. If you remember, if you did happen to watch it, we went through a series on how to pray during uh, the summertime, I think it was. And it was based on a book that I had read. And, and uh, I know Terry's read the book. I know, I know um, Jeff has read the book. Wonderful, wonderful book. And just, again, just wonderful, simple applications. But they laid out a four-part, simple, simple way to remember how to, how to approach God or or. or or, or utilize if you just don't know how to pray sometimes. And it's, it's set up in an acronym so you, so, you can, so you can remember it. Now, I'm going to tell you, this acronym is very, very difficult to remember. So you might want to get out a pencil or a pen and write this down. And I'll give you a minute to do that. Because, um, it's, again, it's kind of it's hard. Are you all ready for it? The acronym is PRAY. P-R-A-Y. Okay? <laughs> But I'm glad to know some of y'all actually started breaking out the pens. That makes me feel good. Pray. P-R-A-Y. I'm going to tell you what that stands for. The, P, the first P stands for pause. And I'll get to, into that in just a second. The R stands for rejoice or reflect. The A stands for ask. And the Y stands for yield. Now let me tell you a little bit. Let me give you a little bit deeper of a description for each one of those. The P is very important. That word pause is very, very important. If you'll notice the last three Sundays, I have not dived straight into my prayer time at the beginning of the service. We take a moment to pause and we take a moment to clear our minds. We take a moment, in the words that I use this morning, to set aside all of these outside distractions that we've got going on. And all of, this have, all of us have them. That's a lot of times why we just don't pray. I'll be honest with you. That's a lot of times why I don't pray. Because I feel like I'm too busy to pray. I got too much stuff going on. I don't have time to do this. We have to set aside the time. So spend a few moments. It doesn't have to be long. 60 seconds, two minutes, something like that. Before you enter that time with God. Intentionally pausing to be still. What was my mom's favorite Bible verse? Anybody know? Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10. Be still for just a few moments. 
Recognize that God truly is with you. Set aside all that stuff that's going on around you, all those worries, all those concerns. Let that stuff go. And just rest for a couple moments in the presence of God. Empty that mind. I'm not, you, I'm not trying to teach you some crazy Mideastern stuff. If I got a, you know, you don't, I don't need a Bible verse to tell you how to breathe, for goodness sakes. But breathe. Slow your breathing down. And just sit there for a moment, realizing that you truly are in the presence of God. The R is rejoice or reflect. Now, this is the time where we, we offer our gratitude to God. This is the time that we, that we offer our, our personal praise to God, our personal thanks for whatever, our personal blessings. It's also a time that we could incorporate, and this is something that I've started doing in the last number of months, is a reading of the psalm in our prayer lives. Now, this is to me, to me, this ain't for everybody, but to me, this is a very, very powerful thing. This is one of the things that we're doing now on Sunday mornings, and there's a reason for that. You're getting up here and reading the psalm because the psalms are full of praise. The psalms are full of praise, and the psalms are full of thankfulness, and the psalms are full of, full of blessings. They're full of a lot of other stuff, too, but you're going to find a lot of those ideas and a lot of those themes in the book of Psalms. So sometimes if you don't know what to say, open up your Bible to the book of Psalms. It's not that hard to find one that, that talks about gratitude and thankfulness for God and appreciation, that type of thing. So these are your times. Rejoice, reflect, reflect on the goodness of God. Reflect on a psalm, rejoice, offer your praise, offer your gratitude, offer your thanks. A, ask. That's the part that most of us are most familiar with. Asking. This is the asking portion of our prayers. These can include petitions or intercessions. Petitions are the things that we ask God for for ourselves. This is a lot of times the bulk of our individual prayer lives, things that we're asking for ourselves, our, our, our needs, maybe even our desires or our wants. But those are our petitions. Our intercessions are those prayers that we offer on the behalf of other people or those petitions that we offer on the behalf of other, other, other situations, whatever. Anything that it doesn't really apply to me. And finally, yield. And this is, a, this is kind of the harder one to, to teach to a degree, but yield... One part of yielding is confession. And y'all know that I like to talk about confession and, and repentance a lot. Well, this is that point of, of those prayers. It's yielding to God's will. We've talked about repentance lately. We've talked about confession lately. Yielding to the will of God. This is the time for listening. This is when we stop demanding things of God. This is when we stop asking and pleading this is the listening portion of our prayer lives. And yes, that is possible. More than likely, you're not going to hear an audible sound of God's voice. But I can assure you that you, He will speak to you. I can tell you with 100% assurance that God will speak to you. He may speak to you in your heart. He may speak to you in the silence of your prayer time. He may speak to you through another person or another situation. But God will speak to you. This is the time when we just stop talking. And we start listening. And this is how we conclude our prayer time. Now, you don't have to be absolutely perfect with this. And it doesn't have to be in any particular order. I'm not trying to teach you that. Go to God however you want to. But it's a wonderful way just to remember, a, a, to remember, but also to begin a good and consistent and rhythmic, rhythmic and continual prayer life. We can expand our prayer lives in all kinds of ways. 
these ways, different kind of ways that we intentionally engage God throughout the day. You don't have to have just one time of prayer. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, big, long 15, 30, 20, 45-minute sessions of God. I don't think that what, that's what it means to pray continually. It's just having that consistent and constant awareness of God. If you really, really want to get meticulous, or not too meticulous about it, but, but develop a more rhythmic pattern, set aside some intentional time during the day. For continual prayer, intentionally say, I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray at such and such time. This is something I started to do in my own prayer life. I have an alarm. started doing this months ago. I've got an alarm on my phone that goes off generally at noon. And that's my reminder to stop wherever I am. And unless I'm just in a meeting with somebody, I'm going to stop wherever I am. And at bare minimum, I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer. And that, that, ain't, that ain't to toot my own horn. That's, that, just, that helps me stay in that contact with God. That helps me stay in that communion with God. Set aside some intentional times. If, you just, if it's just for 30 seconds, 60 seconds, to say the Lord's Prayer throughout the day. All kind of ways. I talked to you guys about the Jesus Creed several months ago. There's another thing that you can stop and say at any, any point during the time. Any point during the day. Invest in prayer books. You know, we, have a, we're, we come out of the Anglican tradition, which has, a beautiful, it has some beautiful prayer books. I bought one recently and absolutely love it. Invest in some prayer books. There are other practices that we can do um, at night. There's one called the, called the Examen, which is a historical church practice. And that is basically just, just reflecting on your day with God. Setting aside some time at night uh, to be in the presence of God. To reflect on your day. To take what we in Alcoholics Anonymous would call a personal and moral inventory of my day. How did I act? Where did I see God at work in my life today? Where did I see the love of God today? Where did I maybe fall short today? Where did I maybe reflect Jesus today in good ways? Wonderful way to maintain that continual prayer life and to engage with God throughout the day. Morning, midday, night. Final two points are the themes of the scripture today. Rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice always. Similar to praying continually. Paul directs us to live joyful lives. Not to just rejoice some of the time, but to rejoice when? Always. <laughs> Today's Advent theme is joy. So I ask you, where do we find our joy today? Don't answer me out loud because I know if you do, you're just going to give me the Sunday school answer. But ask yourselves in your hearts and in your minds truly, where does my joy come from today? Where do I get my joy from? Or do I even have joy at all? Is it from worldly things? Or is it from worldly activities? Possibly. Is that where I get the majority of my true joy do i get my joy through a person or uh, something else or someone else the sunday school the sunday school answer obviously is the right answer and that answer is jesus as christians jesus should should serve as the source of our joy 
Here at Advent, we have a particular joy as we look forward to Christmas and we remember the first coming of Christ, but at the same time, we also look forward to the second of Christ. We rejoice, we ground our joy in Jesus for a number of reasons. First and foremost, for granting us the salvation that He has given us. That's enough reason for me to, me to rejoice, to ground my, my, my joy, what joy I experience here on earth. There's my grounding, there's my framework, there's my starting point is Jesus, first and foremost for my justification. For what He did on the cross, for what He accomplished through the atonement, for the fact that I can have a reconciled relationship with God, for no other reason than it was a gift. That's a reason to rejoice for me. should be a reason for us to rejoice, all of us to rejoice. We rejoice, we ground our joy in Jesus for giving us His two greatest commandments that we talk about so much here, loving God and loving others. And how He shows us through His teachings how to live those things out as we navigate our lives on this earth. Incidentally, along with prayer, um, what I just mentioned is going to be a major thing that we're going to explore in our churches in the coming months. Kind of like we started looking at... Um, Romans 12, y'all remember we started that back last, end of December, last, or early January? That was kind of going to be our theme until we got all interrupted and stuff. Well, I feel like God's placed something else on my heart for us to focus on this, this, in the upcoming year. And that's going to be becoming individuals and, ch and churches, churches that are in our charges, in our charge of prayer. But taking it a step further, understanding and living out God's, Jesus' greatest commandments. Focusing on what it looks like to love like Jesus. That is going to be a major theme for us in the coming year. Focusing on what it looks like to actually love like Jesus loved. We're going to start that next week, actually, is my plan. By defining what love is from a biblical perspective. All of us think we know what love is. More than likely, we do not from a biblical perspective. We're going to talk about that next week. We're going to define what love is from a biblical perspective. And then in the coming months, probably start the next week, um, we're going to start living that out through an exploration of the Sermon on the Mount. Something I'm really looking forward to. So I hope you guys will keep on coming. Finally, in our verse, give thanks in all circumstances. Living lives of thankfulness and living lives of gratitude. He's just a happy baby. He's just a happy baby, that's all. He's okay. Living lives of thankfulness and gratitude, which sounds very, very simple, but not so much when we're distressed, right? Let's just look over the last year. We've all suffered to some degree or another through COVID, through racial tensions, through political tensions. All of this stuff has been rough on us. At some degree or another, every person in this room has suffered because of some of this, whether it be a large degree or a small degree. But as Christians... Because of the joy that we have in Jesus, we're able to give thanks and we're able to live lives that are reflective of that gratitude. That's kind of what Advent's all about. We don't have to fret. We don't have to fret about this stuff. It's so easy to do. You see, COVID-19 is temporary. Presidential elections are temporary. Kings are temporary. Diseases, economic distress all of these things are temporary. And one a day, all of this is going to come to an end. Everything that we experience for the most part on this earth is temporal. 
Yet we ground so much of our worry and so much of our stress and so much of our anxiety around it, around things that are temporal. We have the greatest gift in the world. We have the greatest gift in the world. So here's, 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 here's what I'm going to wrap it up with. Let's don't waste our lives on things that are temporal. Because let's be honest, let's, let, that's what most folks do. That's, 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 that's what most folks do, even Christians. We focus on things that are temporary, whether they be money or whether they be relationships or whether they be, and, and there's nothing in and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with those things. But what's our foundation? What is our focal point? It should always be Jesus because Jesus is forever. All of these things that bring us stress, all these things that bring us anxiety, they're not going to be here forever. And guess what? We're not either. At best, we got about 80 or 90 years on this earth, most of us. At best. What do I want to do with those years? I don't want to, I don't want to live those years concerned with stuff that's going to disappear very, very soon. I don't want to concern myself with stuff that's not going to matter to a hill of beans in 10 years. Stuff that's not going to make a matter to a hill of beans in five years or two months. Yet that's what we do. That's what all of our arguments about arguments are about. That's what all of our hostility is about these days. This is what we care about, and it's, and it's, it's so temporal and so non-essential. What is essential? The reason that we're here today. And guess what? It's forever. It's forever. You know, I don't want to live the kind of life where, 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 where I'm remembered by... Temporal things. All I care is... All, matter of fact, all I care for y'all to put on my headstone is Jerry Hudson loved Jesus. That would be the greatest compliment in the world for my life. Is for people to recognize that. And I hope that they do. Why waste our time on these things? We know, we know they're temporary. We know they're temporary. Do we believe it though? Do we believe it? We say we believe it, but do we? And if we truly do, why are we not acting like it? Why are we not living like that? Why are we concentrating so much on stuff that's not going to matter at all one day? Whether it's five years or 50 years. But Christ is forever. Christ is forever. And the way that I live, the way that Christ lives through me is forever. That's the hope of Advent. That's the hope of Advent. It's the coming of God's kingdom. Again, when all this temporal stuff is set aside, when, when, when God reigns, when Jesus reigns. And that's our calling, I believe. Y'all pray with me. Merciful Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for the season of Advent. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for Jesus Christ. God, as difficult as it is because we are such flawed human beings, we just ask you to help us set aside all of these, all of these things that we put so much emphasis on, so much worry, so much concern that cause us so much, so much unnecessary anxiety. Help us to focus on you. Help us to focus on you, Heavenly Father, especially during this Advent season as we recall your coming to earth and we, and we hope and we express and we live in joy at the coming, at your second coming. 
Be with us throughout this upcoming week, dear Lord. Help us to live Christ in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.